You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rico Mohammed, and you are listening to the Rates and Lanes podcast. I want to thank everybody for your continued support. Apologize for the past couple of weeks. We haven't been able to uh, bring the show to you. And I think that a uh, solution that I think that we're going to try to have for situations like that when, when I'm in a bad area and I don't have any Internet access is um, I may just do the podcast. It'll be available for download. Um, but you won't, you probably we probably won't have be able to have any uh, caller participation. We'll just maybe do a short podcast with the uh, pertinent information of the week and uh, with, like, the um, trend lines reports, the USDA reports, and all that stuff. I can do that stuff, you know, after the reports come out. If they come out early, I'll try to uh, squeeze in some time to go ahead and record a show just to be on the safe side and have it uploaded and ready Um just in case we happen to be in a situation where we're not able to have an Internet signal. Tonight we are going to be joined by, I call I, I affectionately call him our resident mentor. Chuck Snow will be, uh, will be joining us tonight, and I think he's already on the line. I see him right now. And uh, we're going to come to you in just a second here, Chuck. So but when we have Chuck on, like I say, he's, uh, affectionately I call him our resident mentor. This is a great opportunity for you guys and girls out there that have questions that uh, have different scenarios that are that are plaguing you and different things like that. Press number one, get in. Let's get your call screened um, so that you can ask a question to Chuck. Chuck is very uh, has has accomplished many things in the transportation industry, from running and operating as a motor carrier and also uh, running and operating a successful brokerage as well. So, you know, he can kind of put on both hats from, from both standpoints. And if you happen to have some situations in your business that you would like some help on, there's no better way to kind of accomplish those things than with the help of a mentor. So, we, you know, we really, really uh, advocate really uh, getting information from people that have been successful, that have been there that, and done that and fought those battles. No need to recreate the wheel when you got someone here that's available that you can ask questions of that can help you out with your issue. So don't be bashful. You go ahead and press number one, get in line, and we'll be to you in just a second. We'll start out the uh, show as we normally always do with the uh, USDA truck rate report information for this week. If you go to the Rates and Lanes Facebook page, there's a link of this report already up and posted waiting for you if you'd like to have more in-depth information on this report than what we go into here on the show. You can go over there, click that link, and you will see the actual report that I am getting ready to read off to you guys right now. Um, the first area that we're going to look at, we're going to uh, tackle areas with shortages. And right now, the area with a glaring shortage of trucks is Idaho, Merrill County, Oregon. They have a shortage of trucks. They need trucks out that way, which means in turn, your rate can be a little bit higher, can be a little bit higher in, the, in that particular area because they're, 
as we've always said, the spot market rates are a creature of supply and demand. So if you got the if you got the supplies, then out there they're they're wanting that demand. They're demanding trucks out that way. So now moving on over to areas with slight shortages, where there's a little bit, uh, still a little bit of a blog bog down of trucks needed in those areas. You have Upper Valley, Twin Falls, Burley District, Idaho, Eastern North Carolina. Harvest time for the sweet potatoes coming out of East North Carolina. Columbia Basin, Washington, Yakima Valley and Winchy District, Washington. Those areas that I just listed off are all showing a slight shortage according to the USDA report. Uh, we're going to skip the areas with adequate supplies and jump on over to the areas with slight surpluses. This means areas where the rates may not be as good, uh, may be a little tight in these areas. And that there's only one area showing a slight surplus at this time, and that is Mexico crossing through Nogales, Arizona. So you want to be mindful of Mexico crossing through Nogales, Arizona. There's a slight surplus of trucks in that area right now. And there's another area that is showing an outright surplus of trucks, which means rates are probably going to be a little depressed. That area is Big Lake in central Minnesota. So take all of that under advisement. Like I said, if you'd like to have this report more in-depth information than what we actually cover here, there's a link to it over on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. Go over there, give us a like, follow us, subscribe to us over there on that end, and so we can try to get information to you uh, all during the week, not just on Wednesdays when we have the show. Moving right along, jumping over into the DAP trend lines report. And I think I need to put a little caveat once again because I don't know if we have new listeners or not. But as we've always said about that USDA report, there is some rate information that they post on that report. You have to be very careful on taking that rate information for for the gospel because that rate information is a little bit skewed. There is not a good way uh, to have that information vetted, so um, you might want to just be a little cautious on looking at that rate information to kind of to try to give you a benchmark to um, go off of when you're trying to negotiate in those particular areas out there if you're going to be uh, moving in the spot market, chasing a little bit of that freight in those areas that are outlined on that particular report. Jumping back over to the DAT uh, trend lines report, uh, for the September 18th through the 24th, trucks on the West Coast are feeling some ripple effects from the Hedgen shipping bankruptcy and resulting supply chain shakeup, spot market ban freight volumes, and rates surged last week in Los Angeles, but national rate trends were pretty much stable across the board. So let's jump into this thing and let's see what we got going on. We'll start out looking at the U.S. van demand and capacity report. Van load postings declined 6% and truck postings increased by 5% last week. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to decline 10% to 2.8 loads per truck. The national average van rates were unchanged compared to the previous week. Also, fuel pricing dropped by 0.4%. National average diesel price is $2.38 per gallon. Uh, so let's jump over and look and see how the U.S. van rates were performing over the week of the 18th through the 24th. 
National average van rates held steady at $1.64 per mile last week. Outbound rates rose in Los Angeles, California, but fell in Atlanta. Uh, so taking a look by regions across the country, we're going to start out in the northeastern portion of the United States. We have dry van rates on the spot market coming out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, checking in at $1.66 per mile on average, moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States. Atlanta, Georgia checks in, showing an average rate on the spot market for dry vans at $1.79 per mile. Moving into the Midwest, we have Chicago as the representative city, showing average spot market rates for dry vans at $2.03 per mile. Coming out of the south central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas is the representative city, showing average spot market rates at $1.51 per mile. Moving out west to the uh, left coast, Los Angeles, California, dry van rates on the spot market are showing $2.01 per mile on average coming out of Los Angeles. Moving on over, jumping to the flatbed demand and capacity report for the week of September 18th through the 24th. The number of flatbed load postings and truck postings changed less than 1% last week, which kept the load-to-truck ratio the same as the previous week at 13.2 loads per truck. The national van average rate, the national, excuse me, the national average flatbed rate slipped by one cent week over week. Let's see and let's take a look at how those flatbed rates were performing. And last week, the national average rate for flatbeds declined one cent to a dollar eighty-eight cents per mile, while the load-to-truck ratio remained the same. Checking out the rates across the country, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have Harrisburg checking in with average spot market rates for the flatbeds at two dollars and ninety-one cents per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Atlanta, Georgia checking in as the representative city, showing spot market rates for flatbeds at $1.99 per mile. Moving into the Midwest, we have flatbed rate, spot market rates at $2.17 coming out of Rock Island, Illinois. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Houston, Texas checks in showing the average spot market rate for flatbeds at $2.05 per mile. And moving out west, Phoenix, Arizona checks in, showing the average spot market rate for flatbeds at a paltry $1.67 per mile. Jumping on in to the U.S. reefer demand and capacity report, the segment of the DAT report, Reefer load postings fell by 8% last week, and truck postings increased by 1%. That resulted in an 89% decline in the load-to-truck ratio, which dropped from 6.1 loads per truck down to 5.5 loads per truck. The national average spot market rate for reefers was unchanged compared to the previous week. So, let's see and look at how overall the rates performed. They pretty much national average reefer rates were unchanged compared to the previous week, holding steady at $1.91 per mile. Reefer prices 
showed gains in Los Angeles and Elizabeth, New Jersey, but outbound rates slipped lower in Chicago. So let's take a look around the country. Checking in in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have spot market rate for reefers out of Elizabeth, New Jersey, showing $1.73 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Lakeland, Florida checking in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $1.18 per mile. Moving up into the midwestern portion of the United States, we have Green Bay, Wisconsin checking in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $2.69 per mile. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, McAllen, Texas checks in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $1.76 per mile. And rounding up the report coming out of the west coast, we have Fresno, California being the representative city, showing spot market rates for reefers at $1.88 per mile on average. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's DAT Trend Lines report. Um, I want to try to, let's see if we can get in here and bring Chuck up. Uh, let's see if we can grab Chuck really quickly. Chuck, are you there? I certainly am, Rico. Dear, how are you doing, my friend? We're doing well up here in Canada. Uh, thanks for asking. How are things down there? Man, we're we're just constantly trying, striving to get it right, Chuck. You know, it's it's a it's a constant struggle, but we're trying our best to make it make it right. Well, uh, you know, it's all we can do is try, and we keep trying. But we all have to remember that if we keep trying the same thing over and over again, getting the same results, uh, then that's insanity. So we have to change something in order to really make it count. Speaking of change, this is something that we kind of discussed it a little bit, but something that's kind of sticking in my cross. I'm I'm, I'm a little concerned about it uh, for an individual that may be looking to grow his company. Um. What would you would you would you advise somebody attempting to try to really expand and really grow a fleet? And I'm going to tell you the reason behind my question is one of the concerns that I'm really having is the the whole autonomous trucking situation. Um, I know that you kind of you know being on both ends of the spectrum as far as brokerage and as well as being a, a motor carrier. You kind of keep your ear to the close to the ground on this thing from from a you know and being a much larger um, provider of services in this arena. You know, I just want to you know before it kind of was a little bit of a joke, but I'm I'm starting to see a lot more industry news, a lot more things that are coming out about this whole autonomous trucking thing, and this kind of got me worried. If 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 an individual is trying to grow a trucking company, say it, it, you know have a a progressive growth over the next 20 years, would a, would a person actually be able to be a viable option in the marketplace? A hundred percent. There is a place for autonomous trucks um, on the interstate. Can you imagine an autonomous truck driving around Manhattan trying to deliver a load of steel? 
it's not going to work, well, not in our lifetime. It, it may eventually, but those, you know, there's still work to be done that requires men. So I think, in all fairness to your question, best answer I can give you, we need to pick things where the autonomous trucks are not going to be our competitor. The The big fleets are allegedly already making plans for the next 20, in, in I think, 10 or uh, 15 years to to gear their companies that way because uh, I was just reading, I think, in Transport Topics the other day or Carrier Journal, one of them, that the price of the cost of a driver has exceeded the cost of fuel at this point. And drivers right. are going to continue to be in high demand. Um, we're seeing a little bit of activity again from the Teamsters Union, I don't know if you read, but they're trying to um, they're trying to unionize some of the former Conway, which are now Expo XPO terminals. Um, so there's there's a lot of changes going on, and I think that with regulations coming down the pike the way they are, with logbooks, uh, you know, being thrown out the window, we're going to have those all automated. Uh, electronically, uh, speed limiters, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody's going to want to do this job. So it's great for robots. There's still going to be a place, though. Somebody's got to deliver those loads. Somebody's got to run that short haul. I don't think they're going to be using those autonomous trucks for running um, the the 1- and 200-mile lanes, especially on partial loads and steel and produce and all those other things. So... I think if you're going to build a company, build it well away from the from the disruptive change that the autonomous trucks are going to bring to our industry. Right, and that's one of the that that's, that gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, you know, so basically, choose wisely is what you is is, is the best advice that you're, you're giving us. Make sure that we're choosing wisely yes. and that we're making gotcha, exactly. gotcha. That, that, that um, really that really kind of has been sticking out when I when I'm looking at that and when I'm looking at this whole like I say when I'm looking at the whole industry as a whole big picture wise because you know and, and I'm saying that you know like we were just saying we were talking about change since we were on that subject you know I think about the big behemoth of the past that that didn't look down the road as far as the industry was concerned. I mean, how many people still have VCRs? You know, uh, (laughs) that's, that's you know, that's, that's a classic example. You know, if if you fail to recognize the coming trend and adapt to, to, to accommodate that situation, then I, you know, you're putting yourself in your livelihood and your company in jeopardy, in my opinion, and, and that's just one of the you know I, I was just observing that and I was like, man, you know, this is a this is a big hairy uh, audacious thing it that is. we might be staring down the pipe right here. We are staring it, and you know it's funny if uh, I've been in the business longer than most anybody that's probably listening to this uh, this podcast, and I'm old enough to remember pre deregulation, and. The companies, there were some companies out there that when deregulation hit, they grabbed the ball and they ran. And, you know, uh, my two favorite examples of that are J.B. Hunt and Schneider. They were both existing before D- 
deregulation, but when deregulation came, they were able to expand in that market. And there were so many other companies in both the United States and Canada that had millions and millions of dollars tied up just in authority, never mind anything else, never mind in yards and everything else. They had borrowed money to buy licenses that one day, you know, just a switch of a calendar, and the licenses became worthless. They were redundant. And that's why so many of those motor carriers went out of business. And then, of course, those uh, sales departments for those motor carriers, they became the load brokers. So it's funny how power changes and, and things change. So I think quite often in our industry, we have a tendency of looking in the rear view mirror instead of through the windshield. And I think, you know, I listened to the, the DAT report and the, and, uh, and the, um, the reports that you read off, and quite often that's yesterday's news. And it's, you know, it's not what it's going to be tomorrow. It's what it was yesterday, maybe what it was today, but I doubt it. Um, and I think that that's part of the problem with our industry. We don't have enough leaders in our industry that are looking ahead. And if you're going to survive in this business and prosper, um, and I'm not just talking about, you know, making your truck payment and making your mortgage payment and putting some food on the table. I'm talking about if you're really going to grow your business, you need to really be concerned with what's coming down the pipe, you know, one year from now and two years and five years and ten years. And that's what the big guys are doing. That's what they've done. And there's room for the little guy at the table to become the big guy as long as he's planning for the future. But looking at the future and saying it's not going to happen, I think that's a donkey's way of doing things. Because I think all these disruptive changes are happening. You know, and it's, it's not happening tomorrow, but it is going to happen. You know, whoever thought that oil would fall off the face of the earth the way it has. And personally, I don't think that oil's coming back ever, not the way we had it, because today, anytime I've rented a car uh, lately, I cannot believe the fuel mileage on these things. And when I was away out west uh, earlier this month, I got a ride in a friend of mine's Tesla. Now, this was an experience. <laughs> I got to tell you, it has a setting on it called ludicrous, and my intestines were wrapped somewhere around my esophagus. This thing went so fast. But when you buy a Tesla right now, you get a really, if you buy it right now, you get lifetime fuel. So, and I'm not here pushing Tesla, wow. believe me, but this disruptive technology. Now I've been looking at the I've been looking at some of the Tesla, especially the newer model that I think has come out that's supposed that's supposed to be under forty thousand dollars. I've been I've been looking at some of those. Now I don't know if those ones will have the free fuel for life, uh, but you you know you drive these things into the supercharge station, and I think it's twenty minutes, and it gives you I think about a hundred and eighty miles somewhere around there. Now, granted, if you're running your heater or your air conditioning or your windshield wipers or your full lighting system, it draws from that battery. But for the commuter, it's a perfect, you know, it's the perfect vehicle, and it doesn't pollute. And they're just, 
they're in their infancy with the design of this technology. And as you probably read, um, somebody has come out with a, a tractor unit a, uh, that is all electric. Now, it's probably, we're probably 10 years away from it, but it has electric motors for every wheel. It's, you know, it's in its infancy. It's, um, the technology is there. So I think we really need to plan for what the future is going to be and plan around there. Now, I have no idea what this, these sort, you know, this technology is going to cost. I can imagine with the cost of a new truck right now with a diesel engine what these electric trucks are going to cost. But this is the future, and those of us that are going to be in this game and stay in it, we all need to pay attention. There are, there are changing laws. Um, you can't, you know, whether it's the um, ELDs or, or the speed limiters or this new rhetoric that, uh, that your government's come out with, with safe food handling, um, all of these laws that some of them, I don't think anybody in this industry likes them, but we're going to have to adhere to them. And the people that don't want to believe they're happening, and I, and I talk to people all the time that are hoping for a Hail Mary pass that uh, electronic logging devices are not going to be coming through. Well, it's like, you know, it's like being here in Canada and hoping that winter's not coming. It's coming. <laughs> and it's the same thing. And how do you – I just had one of my new sales guys talk to me today. Um, we were just having a conversation and I said to him, you know, uh, there's going to be hell on earth when, uh, when this law is passed for the electronic logging devices because locations uh, throughout North America where they don't load trucks quick enough or don't unload trucks quick enough are going to have trucks stuck in their doors. And they don't have the, even in their parking lots, they don't have the infrastructure. And he was very, he said, well, why can't they... You know, why can't they drive them? I see because it's not that they shut down, but the the driver will be, uh, he'll be driving illegally. And nobody wants to do that because that's our jobs. That's our licenses. Well, Chuck, so um, someone, someone sent me a question through Facebook. I wanted to save it for the show. Uh, congratulations to Jennifer, by the way. I'm not going to say your whole name, but congratulations to you, Jennifer. Um, I'm going to respond back to you as well via Facebook, but I thought this would be a great topic uh, to throw at you tonight as well, Chuck. Uh, going to get you to put on a different, a little bit of a different hat. Jennifer is um, someone that listens to the show. She supports the show, and she was out making calls, and she happened to have won a customer. Now, her, uh, her husband, apparently, I think her husband is a uh, – has they have their own trucking company, um, and they also have a brokerage. They have a small brokerage that they're running for, or they're an agent for a broker. Right. But she happened to have gotten – she happened to have won her a customer, and they moved steel coils. Uh, but she, she you know, her husband – handle that type of freight. Uh, so she's wanting some advice on how would you advise her to quote that not only if her husband wants to start moving that type of freight, but uh, as a carrier, but also if she was to be, if she was to broker that freight out, how would you advise her to uh, price that to her customer? 
Well, she needs to get, she needs to call around and find out who wants to run uh, particular lanes. I imagine that company uh, ships the coil uh, to, from point A to point B. Let's say they ship it from, for example, from Indiana to New Orleans, Louisiana. So she needs to find out who runs that lane and who wants that freight. So she's got a little bit of a fishing trip. She's got to find people that need that freight. What you really want to do is find somebody that is that needs to get to New Orleans with a flatbed that's delivering in Chicago. So basically, so she's she got needs some to homework to do to get try the to find try to, right. Try to find that a, a domicile driver out of her points or out of her delivery points. Uh, would you say out out of the points that the the coils are going to? find a uh, carrier out of those areas and try to maybe call them and see if they'll hold it for? Yeah, I would do that. And, you know, sometimes it's not somebody that's based in New Orleans. They could be based even in, uh, they could be based anywhere, but they need to get to New Orleans because they're loading in New Orleans. You know, it could be a carrier that's based out of Maine and they're, they're running from Maine to Chicago and they've got a really good, uh, load, you know, they've got great loads for for flatbeds out of New Orleans, and they need to get their trucks into New Orleans. So it's a perfect match. But it takes work. You've got to vet the carriers. You've got to make sure that they're um, they are who they say they are. First of all, because we all know how much fraud there is out there, and you also have to make sure that those carriers can service what you need. You usually can't do it with one carrier, but sometimes you can. There'll be a carrier out there that has several trucks uh, that they want to load out of a certain area, into a certain area. Uh, sometimes you have to split it up, but you have to find out what your cost is, and that's what takes so long. And sometimes what happens is, and this is one of the, uh, this is one of the pitfalls in brokerage, you get costs uh, for moving the freight from point A to point B, you get the business, and then when you go to give the business to the carriers, they all of a sudden they're not there, and you start, you know, you've lost your credibility. Mm, mm. And I think that's one of the, you know, that's the that's the scary thing I think that uh, some people fall, run into. Uh, we've been talking about going out here and getting your own customers and, and, and things of that nature, but then I think that sometimes we're scared of success because, okay, if I happen to get it and they throw this at me, then what do I do? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, exactly. And, you know, sometimes I know at traffics, uh, when that happens, quite often, we've moved those loads at a loss. We told mm. the customer we were going to give him a rate of, let's say, $2,000 or $2,500 from Chicago to uh, New Orleans and because we have a carrier lined up and we're going to make some money on it. And then all of a sudden uh, we get the, the loads from point A to point B and there's no trucks available. And that happens. It certainly happens to us constantly on the produce side because an awful wow. lot of our produce customers, they'll set the rate for for the month. And you either – Take it or you leave it. You can have all the loads, but you've got to give them a rate for the month or sometimes for the week. And you base it on your cost. And all of a sudden, the cost shoots up because 
all of a sudden there's a shortage like there was this week uh, or last week, as you mentioned, I think in Idaho and Oregon. So you take right. some broker that, you know, he promised, um, let's say uh, he promised to do the loads from uh, from Oregon to Chicago for uh, $2,800, and he was going to pay trucks uh, $2,500, and all of a sudden the rate shot up to 4000 What's he do then? If he wants to keep the customer, he's going to lose some money. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. where you have to have big kahunas in brokerage. Because if you want to keep those customers, you've got to you've got to show them you mean business. If you're going to call the customer and say, hey, guess what, there's no trucks this week, you have to pay more, quite often that happens, especially at the beginning of a relationship, they're going to go, you know what, you're just like every other little broker I use. <laughs> I'm going to call my regular guy. Now, once right, you've built right. a once you've built a real, real solid relationship with a customer over over years, and you are a, a a continuation of their logistics department, and they depend on you, and and there is that trust factor, and it's not a, a transactional relationship; it is what I call a logistical partnership. Things are a little bit different then. Then you may be able to call, depending on, it's not going to happen in produce, I can tell you that. Um, But it may happen with other commodities where you can call a customer and say, listen, you know what, Uh, there's no trucks this week. What do you want to do? But it's certainly not going to happen at the beginning of the relationship. And that's the tough part about it. We had a caller... We had a caller with a question, but I don't know if he, he must have fell off. Nick, get back in if you uh, if you can. We, we want to take as many of your questions as possible. And we've got a full phone bank. I mean, we got a ton of people on the line tonight. You guys don't let me ask all the questions. Uh, if you've got anything that you're experiencing, there's no such thing as a dumb question. And Chuck Snow has, has been so free of his free with his time to come on board and uh, answer as many questions as possible. You know, don't let this opportunity slip by. Um, if you have a question, by all means, go ahead and press number one. Get on in here and, and get your question asked uh, because we want to be able to take advantage of the opportunity of, of Chuck's um, experience, leadership, and, and, and everything else. You know, this is a grand opportunity to pick the brain of, of one of the uh, consummate professionals in our industry. So take advantage of this opportunity that we have with Chuck. You know, he comes on with us once a month. It takes a little time out of his schedule to be on with us, and we want to definitely, uh, you know, when, when we get done with Chuck, we want him to be a, a little bit exhausted. We don't want to tax him too much, but we want him to say, man, that was, you know, we want, want him to work a little bit here. <laughs> hey, Rico, you want to hear a small world story? My son went, to a, uh, went to a seminar up here in Canada on Monday, and met this phenomenal lawyer from the U.S. and ended up driving him to the airport. And he Uh-oh. called me. He was excited. He, he said he was such a knowledgeable gentleman. He says, I think we got a new U.S. lawyer. I said, what's his name? He said, Henry Seaton. <laughs> Hank is, one, is definitely one of the best in the business. Yeah, he definitely. Definitely one of the best in the business. Okay, so we got a. We, I'm seeing some movement here. We got a couple of people 
uh, on the line. Let's try to get them screened in really quickly. I'm not sure if my daughter are asleep at the helm, but we got to <laughs> maybe she's listening and say, oh, okay, I need to get back on the computer and, <laughs> and get these guys screened in here. But, um, well, I'm trying to wait to see if she's moving. I don't see her moving. We're just going to go. We're going to go to you, caller. We're going to go to you live. So caller with the area code 770, you are going to be up first. Caller, what's your name and how can we help? Uh, Christopher. Hey, Christopher, thanks for, thanks for calling me. How can we help? Hey, Rika. Um, I, again, I must, I must, I must just um, commend you guys on the great job that you're doing. Um, Thank you. Some some moons ago, you you mentioned that you wanted to know what drivers are, you know, what they want to talk about. And absolutely. Uh oh. Yeah, that went silent. Uh oh. Hold on a second, Chuck. Yes, you, Are you, you got some brokers out there. Yes, yes, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, you got okay. some brokers you're, you're, out there. Uh, you cut out. You cut out on us for a minute, so I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I heard. I think, I think my daughter's coming back in, and now she's trying, <laughs> trying to clean them up. Yeah, yeah. Both of the both of you okay, came in the same okay, time. Christopher. Yeah, that, I, I apologize about that, Chris. You, you, you're back on live with us. We got you now. Okay, you got me now. Okay, I, I, um, yes, one sir. of the one of the concerns that broke, um drivers has is how can we deal with unfair brokers? And I'm not, I'm not saying all brokers are unfair, but some are, and they need to be called out, and they need and that need to be addressed. And also, how can the owner operators unite together? So we don't we don't keep stepping on each other that, because um, without unity Chris, there's you're, no you're strength. Not, you're not gonna like my answer, Christopher. I don't think. Christopher, I, I, can I answer this question, Rico? Uh, number one. Go ahead. The on the on the first one, as far as the difficult brokers. Now, if you're saying they're difficult because they're not paying their bills, um, they get routed out pretty fast right now. Uh, you know, there's because of the high speed of information, it's not like it was 10 or 20 years ago. If these guys aren't paying their bills, they get their bonds yanked pretty quickly. That protects you. Um, if the problem is because the, the broker is just difficult to deal with, this is free enterprise. Just like when brokers have bad truckers, we don't deal with them. Um, if there's bad brokers out there that are just, uh, they're not giving uh, you the right information and they're not taking responsibility, my best advice, Christopher, is just don't deal with them. On uh, your, okay, Chuck. Yes. Chuck, I, w- I want to step in and say something real quick. Where the brokers have a chance, where there's more trucks than brokers, it, it, is, um, it, is, it is easier for the broker to do that. Um, where we are concerned is the, you you don't have much brokers with much load. It's like the supply and demand is is is, is different. So um, there's not enough loads for for all the drivers out here. So I'm saying brokers take advantage of situation. I deal with brokers every day, every week, and I'm telling you there are some of them 
they take advantage of the of the drivers. That, okay? And what what, what I mean what I mean what, what I mean with that in terms of prices. Some ridiculous prices that there's no way a driver is gonna be able to survive with those kind of prices that they are quoting. Let me say this part, Christopher. I, I understand where you're coming from. I understand where you're coming from, uh, but understand this. In, cap, in a capitalistic society, which is, which is how this economy is based, capitalist uh, economy, the broker is not their job to make sure that you stay in business. And it's, it's doggy, and, and basically to put it in, in layman's terms, it's dog eat dog. It, and, and, I, and I don't want to come across as sounding cold or callous or nothing like that, but I just want to, I want to try to make it, un, put it, put it to you the, the way that it exactly is. You have to, you are responsible for making sure that you are meeting your costs. And if dealing with the broker is not, is not meeting, um, not cutting the mustard for you, then that's where you have to step outside of dealing with the broker, like we were saying at the beginning. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, that's the definition of insanity. So if you so if you go pick up a, a, a you know, there's an old saying, you know, if you go pick up a snake and the snake bites you, don't get mad at the snake. You knew it was a snake in the beginning. You, <laughs> you it's, it's, it's the same thing kind of applies. We have to, we have to, do the difficult work of changing over and changing our mindset and saying, okay, I know what I'm getting with this broker. I can do the same exact thing as this broker is doing and even possibly even do more. But you have to tap into that and go do the work that the broker has already done so that you don't, I, so, so I, that you don't put yourself in that conundrum. I hear what you're saying, I hear what you're saying, Rico. I hear what you're saying. But um, you know that um, I cannot compete with TQL. You, that's just a fact. There's no way I can compete with TQL. That's, that's, and that's what I'm if, saying. If, if, uh, if, if, you, if you set that up, but, but, but see, Christopher, the thing about it is TQL, they get a little bit afraid. But see, what you got to do is you're going to have to figure out a niche within not only the industry as far as if you're dealing with And I think I remember your call because you deal with reefers, correct? Yes. So, so, so. Yes, yes. What I, my advice to you is, and I'm going to take down your number too, Chris, because I think you're in Atlanta. Maybe we'll, we might be able yes, to talk offline, Atlanta. and we might. Be, I got, I, I got some stuff. I got some stuff that I'm working on that I might be able to use some help with. I might be able to use some extra help in doing, and and that might be something that that you know what I'm saying. That you was talking about the unity aspect. You have to find like-minded well, individuals and and, and 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 maybe pool some resources to actually be able to pull some stuff off with some customers, but you, right. you, you can't have the mindset. you gotta, you got to come out of the mindset of I can't compete with TQL or whatever. The thing about it that you, that you, you certain things you don't want to compete with TQL on, but there are certain aspects of this business that you can do a hell of a lot better than TQL, and they won't be able to hold a candle to you. And that's where you have to exploit. You have to find those little nuances and those little niches that you can actually provide a different, because uh, uh, um, uh, some people don't want TQL service. You know, some people absolutely, there are some shippers out here that absolutely loathe dealing with brokers. It's our job as a business owner to go out and find those particular people so that we can offer our services 
to them and and stop dealing with the low-hanging fruit of actually just dealing with brokers. If we spend all of our time dealing with brokers, you're going to be always constantly subject to getting those wholesale rates by dealing with brokers versus going out and being able to bill a retail rate to a direct shipper. And and right now it's not necessarily um, – and Chuck will probably – Will, will probably help validate this whole situation that we're talking about. As a matter of fact, he he already has. In, in Rico, you pulled the words right out of my mouth. Um, there <laughs> is, the, you know, there, there's a place for the TQLs of the world and the uh, C.H. Robinsons and everybody else. And Christopher, you you you're always complaining about the same thing. Change it. You're being you got no offense, man, but you got a victim's attitude. You need to have a victor's attitude. And what Rico is saying is you need to figure out, and that's why we do this uh, podcast. We're here to help you change things. Go and do something different. And I think I said this to you recently. Pick a lane between point A and point B. Just run between those two places. doesn't have to be far. It could be 100 or 200 miles. And maybe even look at doing some partial loads one way. It doesn't matter. But if you do that and people know, hey, there's Christopher, the guy that runs from here to there, you'll get top buck and you'll get first call. And that gives you, even if you start out with brokers, at least you know what you're doing then. And you say, well, you know what? I run from I run from uh, New York to Philadelphia or I run from Philly to Baltimore. It doesn't matter. It, it's really a really does not matter but this is my lane that's where i go and who do you think brokers want to put the, that stuff on the board and get 100 phone calls no they know that christopher does that they'll call you meanwhile you can look for business because when you're in baltimore all the time or you're in philadelphia all the time you'll see companies that ship and you can go in and say listen do you have anything going from here to there and go in the back door meet the shipper and do it that way, and you won't need to use a broker eventually. But and like I said keep... before, go ahead. So want to want to just just give some different resources, different different solutions. And thanks for the call, Chris. So like I said, I'm going to try to reach out to you off of uh, uh, maybe sometime tomorrow. But one of the things that you have at our disposal with the internet, the event, and internet and social media, uh, go check out, get on LinkedIn. Type in names of companies in different areas. Just you know, you can look in different geographic areas on LinkedIn. Type in the names of those companies. List of the employees for those companies will pop up. We'll start searching for the shipping coordinators or the, the purchasing directors for those particular companies and everything. And that gives you a little bit of a, a indication. Look for mutual people that you may have in your LinkedIn profile that are friends and ask them for an introduction to those companies that's a way to to begin to start to change the whole paradigm of just dealing with the broker you know one person two or three people this thing is a lot bigger than than, than you're not going to be able to change it overnight and what you but you have to control the things that you have at the availability to you to control and what you have the availability to you to control is what you do. So what the broker is offering and what they're, what they're willing to pay you, you're willing to settle for that because you're in survival mode. 
you have to start to begin to work on your business more than you're working in your business because if you're not, you're going to always continue to be settling for what seems like crumbs. So I'm, I'm going to reach out to you offline. I got your number. I, I wrote your number down. I'm going to reach out to you, and, and we're going to have a conversation, and maybe we might be able to link up and, and pool our resources to, to provide some services for a, a situation that I'm working on right now. I'm going to go to my daughter didn't put the name down. Let's go to caller from the 910 area code. Caller, what's your name, and how can we help? Hello, caller? Caller from the 910 area code. Okay, I'm going to put them back on hold. I have a question here. It says, what's the best option for you to go get customers to work for even though you're a small company? Well, we 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 just thought we kind of already went over that. Make sure, you know there are get on the phone. places. Yeah, you can get on the phone. You can ride around to the uh, the industrial parks. You can look on if you're if you're a person that that enjoys on your downtime. You can get on ThomasNet. There's Manta. There's a bunch of free directories that are out there. It doesn't cost you anything that you can begin to look up information on these companies, find out what it is that they're shipping. As a matter of fact, um, uh, some of the low boys offer some things like uh, some things as well. I think they may be a little expensive, but, you know, you can use the free variety. We just talked about LinkedIn. By all means, get you, if you own a business, there's no reason why you don't shouldn't have a LinkedIn profile. Get a LinkedIn Rico. profile, get, get your company You're up right. on there, and and begin networking. And the other thing you can do is, you know, if you're running a truck, you know you're you know what you're hauling. If you've got a reefer, um, you know, and you're running from let's say Atlanta to Nashville, and you're based out of uh, let's say you're based out of Atlanta, you're based out of Nashville. You know some of the manufacturing plants. Um, you know that Absolutely. maybe. Maybe there's a dairy plant, um, and you could haul for them. Maybe there's a uh, a meat processor that makes burgers for uh, for one of the big chains like Burger King or McDonald's. Who knows? But use your brains, people. That you know, um, it's there. Somebody's got to haul the stuff. Look at those plants. Right. Uh, look at industry specific. We all know that meat goes in reefers. We know that dairy goes in reefers. We know that plant uh, flowers and plants go in reefers, and we can go down the list. You know what you've hauled, and just you know you don't have to go after that customer because you probably have an agreement with a broker, but and he has a relationship there already. But go after that customer's competitors. Right, right, and we're gonna move along. Let's see here. We got a caller. From the 715 area code, caller, you're up live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, guys. Um, you hear me okay? Yeah, great. Yes, sir. What's your All name? Right, good. good deal. Yeah, Mick. Mick is my name. I've talked to you guys a couple times on your show. I really appreciate uh, you, what you're doing. A little while ago, you kind of brought up how uh, I think you uh, about the ELDs, you know, how you think it's going to be just turmoil for a while. and. I just, I just can't 
fathom that the North American economy is going to tolerate this 14-hour clock. I mean, the ELDs is one thing, but I just can't see them holding to that for very long. Um, I just, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. I just, I just, there's got to be some kind of flexibility exemption of some sort. Um, don't you think, you know, or you really think that they'll, uh, go ahead. I, I think if you, I, you know, Mick, I think if there's any exemptions, you'll see them go industry specific. Um, and I'll give you an example, auto parts. Uh, if you've ever hauled auto parts, you know that they give you, uh, you know, they give you like 10 hours and 21 minutes to travel 531 miles. They don't necessarily take in to, um, into consideration uh, traffic and weather to any, giving the driver any time to uh, grab a coffee, grab fuel, go to the bathroom, any of those things. So I think all of a sudden if a whole bunch of auto plants throughout North America are shutting down frequently, there's, uh, there's probably enough persuasive powers in Washington, D.C. through lobbyists to get a, uh, an exemption or extension or whatever for certain industries. And auto parts is the one that sticks in my mind because sure, really sure. you won't get it with groceries. You won't mm-hmm. even get it with produce. Um, but you will get it with certain things. You may get it somewhere with uh, medicines or pharmaceuticals, perhaps, or something like that. Uh, just like, you know, whenever there's a an emergency, if you've ever hauled any freight for an emergency, there's usually an exemption there. If you're hauling water for right. a, for right. for victims of a, uh, a you know a disaster, and it'll be that sort of a thing. Um, but I think overall, um, I look at government laws usually is the same way as when a, a bank puts a lien against your house or your car. Um, once they put that lien on you, good luck getting it off, even after you pay them back. Sure. And it's okay. the same just, damn thing. Know, I, but, yeah. I guess that's your point. I, I just, uh, you know, I kind of feel like what they, the government's kind of done now is they kind of, they they put these rules out here and a lot of guys, you know, kind of have found ways around them somewhat, you know, but the risk is all on them. I think the government kind of likes that because they don't have to okay it. Um, And then, you know, if somebody gets caught or something happens, then it's all on that guy, you know, who went out there and did it because he broke the rules. But it's just, I just, uh, you know, I'm in flatbed and then I just, you know, sometimes you when you got a live live load or whatnot, you know, especially like these uh, home improvement warehouse type distribution centers and stuff, you know, you can be there all day loading and oh yeah, and and you know, I guess to a point, you know, that stuff isn't necessarily hot where it has to get to that. See, there being enough trucks or enough areas for places for these trucks to park, even that's the them you know, Mick, that's to the biggest. To, I just I was just saying that to this young sales guy today. Um, that is our biggest challenge as an industry is next to the fact that um, getting loaded and unloaded in a timely fashion, our next biggest challenge is the the lack of parking, which we've talked about on this show and, and other places. But what the what, where the government has failed our industry is it's like building a house without a foundation. 
what they should have done first, if they really wanted this thing to work, is they should have put the parking first and sure. created all sorts of parking where drivers without hours can go and, and rest up safely. They failed us. Yeah. And now what they're going to do is now they're going to fine us. And that's why it's that sort of an attitude that has created this dissension in the United States politically. And why do you think Donald Trump is so popular? It's because he's telling people that they've had enough of government running business inefficiently and ineffectively uh, with all sorts of laws. And whether he's right or wrong, I am not going to publicly uh, voice my my political opinions, but it certainly resonates to a lot of people that are fed up with with Washington sticking their nose in their businesses. And it's made, unfortunately, um, our governments, and it's both sides of the border, we have it as well here, government intervention in free enterprise has made it very difficult for all of us to operate in North America. And that has brought on all this growth in, you know, in Asia and in Mexico and uh, South America and places like that, Central America. You've got, because you can do what you want there. Sure. Not like what we have here. And and we appreciate the call. We're going to move on. We're going to try to squeeze a couple more in before we get out of here. Time is winding down on us. Caller from the 320 area code. You're up live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, Rico. Hey, Chuck. Uh, this is Glenn Minnesota. I just wanted to say uh, thanks. I've been a um, motor carrier since uh, June, and I've been doing power only with one uh, company. And, you know, rates have been mediocre, but I've been – I'd say the biggest thing that's helping me feel like I can, I can you know, increase success is I, I instead of just getting, like, the base of a load board, I, I, I recently got the, that truckstop.com and went for the power – and DAT Power may do the same right. thing. They each have their, their own different things. And uh, the thing I'd say that helps is, uh, you know, you actually get solicitations from them on, on loads to bid because they, they see you out there. And, uh, you know, that's making me feel more comfortable, you know, getting that trailer and moving out from the power only because, thing I'm finding is when I work with that one company, you know, it's sort of like being just a regular owner-operator under them, but in some ways you get scrappier because you get some of the bigger deadhead, and, you know, if I, if I stuck with my current relationship, I'd, I'd be making around the same as I would if I, you know, didn't bother having an authority and just went owner-operator. Well, uh, you, you know what? That's a, that's a business decision that you need to make on your own. Uh, you have to weigh it out, you know, whether it's worth it or not. Oh, no, I, I, I'm i saying it is. I'm just saying a thing that, you know, for some of the other ones who are struggling with just rates, you know, are, are they buying that, you know, higher-level service so they can look and do some of the rates in history? Because, I mean, I, I, I got that, and I was able to bid on some lanes within, like, the first week I had it. Now, I didn't get them because I didn't, you know, I didn't bid, you know, quite low enough or whatever, but just – you know, that that shows you so many more opportunities. You can start doing what you guys mentioned about, you know, finding your lanes. And I've been working, and I've only been trucking a little over a year and a half, 
And the thing I noticed with the uh, large carrier I worked for, it was one of the top 75, and I was doing reefer. And then now with this carrier that I've been working with on the logistics side is, you know, they're yes, they're irregular, they'll go wherever, but the way they make their money is, you know, I, I've been driving for these companies where it's 48 states national, but, you know, I go to a lot of the same places because they've built their lanes. It's not just, you know, looking at the load board and throwing the dart. And that's what I'm looking at is what you guys mentioned about building those lanes from, like, northern Minnesota to Chicago or, you know, Midwest yeah. and maybe maybe a couple, maybe out to Pennsylvania and then get, like, a loader, you know, do a couple smaller chunks to get back home when I want. That way I'm not doing that, you know, a dollar a mile from, you know, Philadelphia to Minnesota. So Where are you I based just want to say you're, I'm in uh, Duluth, Minnesota. Okay. What I would do if I were in your shoes, um, I would just run from Duluth into Twin Cities, and you've got, you've got more. Obviously, you've got a lot more freight going from Twin Cities up to Duluth, so your your hauls southbound are probably going to be skinny. I don't know what they produce up in uh, Duluth. Maybe they maybe there's some paper plants, but I would imagine you've got all sorts of product that people need out of Twin Cities area going up there. And if I was going to do this on my own, I would start with uh, with brokers and just say, listen, I just run from here to there. And the nice thing is, how far is it from Duluth to Twin Cities? Around 160 miles. You'll probably get $3 a mile. Okay. okay. How much are you getting now a mile? Uh. So far, I've averaged a dollar fifty all, you know, all miles, well, dollar forty-nine, and I've okay. done some cities loads back and forth as as part of that. Okay, wouldn't it be nice to get double that? Oh, a- absolutely. So work half as hard for twice the money, and you're going to make more money. Yeah. And, oh, and you uh, know, you're you're part of the. I understand what you're doing. But like Christopher was calling before complaining, you guys create your own heartache because here you go, you go to the you know you go to the other side of the country, you go to Pennsylvania, you got to get a cheap load from Pennsylvania to Ohio, Ohio to Chicago, Chicago skip hopefully you get a load back into Minnesota. So much extra work and, and so much stress and and so much BS that you don't have to do when all you have to do is pick the path of least resistance. You know, we are so good in the trucking industry uh, of making our own lives miserable. We're just good at it. And there are opportunities there. And, you know, you do that, and one day you could have a big business. You could own that lane. But you're one truck. You're never going to own, you know, that's how you start. Is you become the go-to guy from Twin Cities to Duluth. You'd be surprised how much business you get. Yeah. I was going to say, I look more to Chicago just because, like Duluth, I've got uh, Halber Lines based out there. They're decent size. I've got Magnum. I've got a lot of, you know, already bigger companies that are running that plus some of the other ones. So, and it seems like want, the uh, you know competition the on that is probably – you know, I deal with Magnum all the time. They do some of my uh, my LTL going into uh, when I go into Minnesota. If I have stuff that's going into northern Minnesota or 
uh, if it's a couple of skids or it's going into the Dakotas, uh, we use Magnum, and they're a phenomenal company. But, you know, sometimes they're very expensive. And I think you can beat them um, and the other guys on price. I think you, I don't think you have to run all the way to Chicago. It's not necessary because when you're running all the way to Chicago, you're going to run into problems with balancing hours. You're going to have problems with parking. I guarantee you run uh, from Twin Cities to Duluth, you're not going to have those problems. Appreciate the phone call. We're going to move on. We've got a, one more before we get out of here. We have a little bit into overtime, so this portion of the show has not been recorded. Uh, but we don't want to leave callers out there that have questions and we don't get to them. So, caller, we have Blake. Hey, Blake, are you on? Can you hear me? Hello, Blake. I think they got the. I think they got the name Blake. wrong, Rico. And maybe I do. Five one five area code. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Luke. Luke. L-U-K-E. Yeah. <laughs> bless my, bless I said to go, no, no Blake here. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> this, this was, uh, I, I hate to go back and beat the horse, but uh, or the dead horse, but uh, they were talking about exemptions for certain lines. If Wouldn't you think if they're going to start exempting things, uh, it, all this is going to do is cause turmoil in those industries like let's say one of my friends he swears up and down they're going to exempt livestock haulers okay if, if they exempt livestock haulers won't everybody and their brother want to go haul livestock no and won't that just ruin the rate no not at all have you ever hauled livestock i've hauled livestock many a times okay and believe me i'm, I'm thinking about going back to it then I go mean, back to it because it. i, I <laughs> That's the worst, that's the hardest job I think I've ever done, or one of the hardest jobs I've ever done with a truck. It's not for everybody. You need to have a certain temperament to haul livestock. About 98% of the uh, drivers that I've met in my life did not have the proper temperament to haul livestock. I don't think that the bull haulers have anything to worry about uh, an onslaught of competition taking away their business just because livestock haulers may very well get an exemption because, and that's a great point, uh, because it is livestock and it's not loads of widgets. Um, right. So there may be an exemption there. And if there is, those guys deserve it because they go through hell. That, you know, that's a real hard job. Um, that's certainly not the low hanging fruit. So okay. Now how many, how many guys have you heard say, uh, you know what? I'm going to give up this over the road stuff when I'm done. You know, when when the e logs come out and the speed limbers come out, and I'm just going to run the short stuff. You know, the the Duluth down to Minneapolis or the you, you know what I'm saying the, the short stuff they can do in a day versus you know trying to find somewhere to park every night. Why not try to get back home every night? Luke, and what, what's that going to do to the race? I haven't, I haven't heard enough guys say it, and that makes me worried because as I said at the beginning of the show. I have a real problem with our industry in general, the fact that we don't look down the pike. We're, we're so right. busy looking in the rearview mirror instead of the windshield. And right. this is a really great opportunity for small carriers and, and owner-operators that want to survive in this business 
this is your opportunity right now. You've got to change what you're doing. And if you're running from, you know, if your business is uh, grabbing loads from brokers from Iowa or Minnesota to Florida or California, this could be broken real fast. But if right. you are willing to, to drive that, take that 150-mile run, my God, man, you don't need a $150,000 truck to do that. Right, exactly, exactly. And that's why right now I'm trying to pay my, my three trucks off, and that way when all this comes about, I don't have to continue. I don't have to, I'm not forced to stay out on the road. Yeah. I can uh, work well, when I, I want to work. I, I want to be in. I would start doing uh, it uh, now. Uh, no one built the ark before it started to rain. Right, exactly. So and, if you uh, wait until everything goes sideways, you're going to have 7 million other guys that are all going to want to run that 150-mile radius. If you start right. now, then you will be well-established, and when those guys come into your turf, they won't know what they're doing. Right. You know, another thing is, is I, I've talked to guys. I try to stir up this conversation, you know, if I'm, if I'm standing there getting loaded or if I run into a guy I'm fueling next to, you know, just start a small conversation. A lot of these guys don't even realize these regulations that they're trying to force down us, or they're forcing down us, not trying, they are. And they're like, what, huh? They're going to make us do speed limiters? And it's like, where have you been? Or are they going to make us do e-logs? You know, it's like I, I had a guy the other day, uh, I had to use his binder bar because I somehow misplaced mine. And uh, I was talking to him, and he's like, he goes, right, well, you know, how many trucks you got? And I said, I got three. He goes, are you hiring? I said, well, I don't know. I'm kind of waiting to see what this whole e-log thing happens. And he goes, yeah, I'm going to get away from this carrier because that's all they got is e-logs. And I'm like, no, they're going to force us all to put them on there. And he just oh, yeah. stood there dumbfounded. Like, he didn't even know. It's like, where, where are these guys, you know, where are these guys' heads at all the time? You know, that's the problem. And, the, you know, I could understand it 20 years ago, but there's so much information available to you. You know, if right. you just listen to the – if you listen to uh, Road Dog Radio, and this is not a plug for Road Dog Radio because some of the crap that's on there is just has uh, nothing to do – you know, there's one – and I, I just turned it off when uh, this one couple get on there and they banter back and forth about everything to do except oh, talking. But, yep. you know, there's so many other good shows on there. There's Kevin's and there's Land, Land, Land uh, Line Now and there's some other ones um, that are – giving people great information that we never had before at our fingertips. Never my fingertips. While you're driving, you're learning, and you're in the damn right. truck for 24 hours a day anyways. So there's no right. reason when these sh shows are on, if you're awake, that you're not listening and learning because that will, keep, that will give you the edge. And, you know, those people that don't want to listen and they don't want to take stock of where we're going – you know, they're probably going to get in some trouble and they're going to go down by the wayside. So, and that's right. good for our industry because that means we get rid of those guys that aren't going to be, you know, uh, as soon as they get caught at a scale uh, without their uh, speed limiter or without their ELD, they're going to be in big doo-doo. Right. So they're going to get a bunch of points and that's going to happen a few times and they're gone. They're not viable anymore. Right. But and that, my, it, it, you know, it, it amazes me with all the information that we, we can get and, and how uh, how much social networking there is out there. Uh, we couldn't organize to, to stop all this. I mean, because we could if we really want to or if people would take the interest 
and the initiative. I know we got the whole Patriot Act going that just says we can't strike, but they can't force you to go out and work if you don't want to work. You know, uh, I will say something but, but, but on, they, on record. They, they, um, I, man, they managed to, to, to strike in the early 70s and the early 80s and, and get some success out of it. And I think that's where your deregulation came from was a strike of 83. Uh, it actually happened a little bit before that. Uh, none of the strikes Well, they, ever... had, they had the strike in, what, 73, 77, yeah. and 83. Um, none of the – the problem with the strikes is that – and just like earlier on, one of our callers, Christopher, said, why can't guys get together? Well, we can never get together, and that's the disadvantage of our industry, and that's to the advantage of the shipper because we can never agree on anything. And right. what happens is everybody goes on strike, and then all of a sudden somebody gets a wake-up call that they have a truck payment or they got a mortgage payment or they got a sick kid that they've got to look after or whatever, and they break rank, and it follows very quickly after that. We can't strike because there right. are too many of us that have different needs. If you're a person that's got his trucks paid for, uh, yeah, you can strike and you can last a little while. If you're some poor guy that just mortgaged everything he owns plus board money from his mother-in-law, you're not in a position to strike. You're not going to stay out very long. So when you have that difference across the board, it's never going to work, unfortunately. So that's not going to change things. Uh, be nice if it would. These laws are coming down the pike. We have re-regulation. See, they gave us deregulation in the early 80s, and all that's happening now is we're getting before our eyes and behind our backs, okay? They're, what governments are doing is they're just they're regulating us all over again, but in a different way. We're not going to be uh, regulated by commodities or by lanes. We're being regulated through legislation, through, through, the, through the auspicity of um, safety. And some of it is sound because I think that today I was just out uh, trucking on Saturday. And I got to tell you, overall, uh, I would have to say the behavior of truck drivers is much better today than it was when I started driving 42 years ago. We were cowboys. Um, I think that, you know, everybody's afraid to be a cowboy today, even though there was a wreck up the road with three trucks. And I don't know what happened. Uh, it was in the construction area, so anything could have happened. Um, but overall, I just think that the behavior of, uh, of trucks, the driving behavior is very good. Uh, I think it's improved. That There are some idiots out there. There's no two doubts about it. But I think we've come miles when it comes to safety. Um, but not good enough for Washington and Ottawa. They're going to push it even further. Trucks are definitely getting safer. They're certainly more, um, they're more comfortable, and they are safer. And now I read that International is coming out with even uh, more safety features. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, some really good rollover protection and stuff. So, you know, things are getting better as far as that goes. As far as the diesel engine, well, they're not nearly as good as they were 40 years ago. Um, that I can attest for. Uh, you know, the Freightliner I was driving, which was a fairly new one, looked like a slot machine in Las Vegas. Uh, it was lit up with so many things that were uh, these sensors and stuff that were faulty. 
uh, just that's the way these things work now. But overall, I think that um, some things are better, some things are worse, but we're definitely getting re-regulated. And it, to a point where I think it's making the, the smaller guy uncompetitive in doing, especially the long haul. And that's where the short haul is going to come in. Great. Well, Chuck, um, um, and we appreciate the phone call, Luke. We're getting ready to go ahead and wrap up for this evening. We still got a couple of people that are listening live. Chuck, you want to tell people how they can get in contact with you if they have any questions offline? Yeah, by all means. Uh, you can call me. I actually do return phone calls. This is really important, okay? If you're going to call me, you need to press 203. That's my extension. We have about 80 people in the in the office. Some of them are brand new. If you call looking for Chuck, you may go through voicemail hell. I don't want you to. So if you really want to get hold of me on the telephone, dial extension 203 at 800-388-4352. Now you can call me or you can email me at Chuck, C-H-U-C-K, at traffics, T-R-A-F-F-I-X dot com. And I do return phone calls and emails. Uh, try to get to you as promptly as I can. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity gives me an opportunity to give back to an industry that has been so good to my family and I. Well, Chuck, again, once again, we want to appreciate and thank you for being so gracious with your time and your uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to come on and, and help a couple of us little small guys try to get it together and, and, and uh, get our ship corrected. We appreciate the uh, appreciate you mentoring us and helping us along the way. And for Absolutely. everyone else, we want to thank you guys for your support and your, for your continued support. We apologize on the days that we weren't able to make, be here with you guys to do the show. We're going to try to work diligently and get better at that. But, uh, but like I said, we once again, we definitely appreciate everyone's continued support. And just wrapping up tonight, want to make sure that you uh, check out, make sure that you're checking out uh, Kevin and Lisa Rutherford's their show uh, all the shows on the audio roll, you can go to thelesstruck.com and get the schedule for all of the different shows that come on all the different podcasts. want to support those all, and we want to thank Kevin and Lisa Rutherford and the entire Less Truck team for providing us with the platform to, be, to give us the opportunity to be able to bring you this show. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, God bless you. Thank you, and good night. Be safe out there, and we'll talk to you, God willing, next week. Thank good you, night, Rico. God bless. Good night. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.